You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am very excited because today I get to present you a podcast from two years ago. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed because the last episode I recorded before this one, so this is January 21st, 2018. The previous episode that I have is January 10th. That was the episode after we hired Mike Pettin, and I missed it, and I'm very sad. But maybe someday we'll get to do that one. Anyways, this is a breakdown, and it was a uh, wall-to-wall look at potential free agent pickups in 2018 for the 20, well, the 2018 season for each and every position group. So again, it's just kind of a fun look back, and uh, you get to laugh at me for all my opinions and thoughts and all that, and that's fine. It's all in good fun, but uh, it is fun to go back and kind of listen to those kinds of things. So anyways, that is what today is. We'll take a brief break, and we'll just jump right into it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So there's a couple articles that I've been trying to post on the website for a while, but unfortunately, I don't really write articles. I tend to write research papers. And we're having an issue with the website with articles over, I don't know, 3,000 words or something, and I can't seem to get it under 5,000. And I don't want to, so I'm just kind of in a stalemate, just staring at this website, uh, you know, playing chicken, refusing to move. In the meantime, um, unfortunately, one of the articles that's very long and in-depth is about free agency and all the people that would fit and just people that, I don't know, I just added to the list. It's a pretty comprehensive guide. And um, as I'm sitting here trying not to flinch and saying, you will post this article, 
dumb website. Uh, everybody else is out there saying, oh, what about this guy and this guy? And it's, no, I said it first. You just, nobody knows it yet. So I thought, all right, fine. I'll just do the podcast and I'll go through it there. And then if it gets posted, it gets posted. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And um, there's also a second very long and extensive article that maybe I'll do tomorrow since, again, doesn't want to post. So basically what I did is I went through every single position because, meh, it's just more fun that way. That's just kind of the way I do things. I know some positions are more of a need than others. But I also looked at all the free agents, and then I looked at how and when and where and who fits the best. The list is much longer. If it ever gets posted, I would still encourage you to go check it out. Um, but I don't want to sit here and talk about guys like Josh McCown, who's like 38, 39 years old. He, he's either going to be the Jets quarterback or he's going to retire. But, you know, whatever. He's on the list. But it's that time of year, it's draft time, it's free agency time, so I put a ton of work into this, and um, I want to get it out there. I want to I want to be able to say that these are the people that I think make sense, and why, and uh, I don't know, I was excited to do it. I still like the list, and um, we'll see what happens, I guess. But here is my list for every single position going right down the line. So first off, for quarterback, you know, maybe at first glance you look at that and say well we're not going to get a quarterback we don't need a quarterback that's true we don't need a starting quarterback but why don't the Packers try doing what every single other team in the NFL does and that is get a veteran player who is not starter caliber at least now or has kind of come to that conclusion at this point in their career that they're just career backups just get one of those guys so if Rodgers goes down you got a guy that can win a couple games he can, he can kind of, and I understand half of it was Hundley's, well, you know what, I'm not even going to say half. The, the whole notion that we realize the Packers are basically the Browns, that's not true. I understand Rodgers is dragging this team, but Hundley was just really, really bad. Really, really, really bad. If we had a different player in there, we would have probably won maybe one or two more games. Not that it really matters all that much. I don't think, looking at the caliber of the teams in the playoffs right now I don't think we end up pulling this thing out anyway so I'm fine we're picking at 14 let's just let's just try again because we have got our work cut out for us with these stupid Minnesota Vikings man if they win if they win the Super Bowl I will cry all right so I've got a list of five one is a joke one is unrealistic one probably doesn't help us very much but there's some connections there but there are two potential options that I thought "Mm, it's worth exploring. One of them is quarterback Matt Moore. Matt Moore has been a backup quarterback for the Miami Dolphins since forever. He's probably never going to be good. Well, he's not good enough. The current starting quarterback for the Dolphins is barely good enough to be a starting quarterback. His backup is definitely not good enough to be a starting quarterback. What's interesting about that is that we got Joe Philbin back, who was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins for a very long time, so there is definitely a connection there. Matt Moore is going to be a free agent this year, and I think if anybody's going to be able to pull him away, it would make sense that the Packers would be able to do that. I don't think Matt Moore is going to be worth very much, so it's not going to cost us very much to get a guy like Matt Moore. He's not. Nobody's going to try to pick him up as a starting quarterback. As many hungry um, quarterback teams as there are, there's so many, I mean, there's starting caliber quarterbacks that are going to be going into the market right now. Plus, there's a draft that is just filled with quarterbacks. How many people are sitting back going, yeah, we could draft a quarterback, 
And we could try to get a guy like Kirk Cousins. Or, check this out, hold on, what about Matt Moore, though? Right? Nobody's saying that. Matt Moore is a backup. It's really just going to be between Miami keeping him as a backup, which is probably less and less likely because I think they're going to have to go get a quarterback in the draft anyways or try to get somebody to replace their current quarterback. So that pushes Matt Moore even further down. How much do they want to pay Matt Moore? Probably not as much as we do. Another option and is a quarterback who is, you know, kind of laughed to scorn, but that's just as a starting quarterback. I think he is a borderline starting quarterback that just isn't good enough and is just now relegated to the, you know, kind of just coming around to the fact that, all right, I guess I'm playing this backup quarterback role for the rest of my life, and that is Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez is going to be a free agent. They they currently have three quarterbacks, and one of them was a... They gave up everything in the draft for Mitch Trubisky. They're paying a ton of money for Mike Glennon, the, the amount of money that they're even able to pay, pay Mark Sanchez, I can't imagine is hardly anything. He's going on the open market. Mark Sanchez is way too valuable to be sitting as a third quarterback behind Trubisky and the however many millions of dollars, I forget how much Mike Lennon's making, but it's an obscene amount of money to be a backup. It's very likely Mark Sanchez walks. In terms of um, connection, there isn't a strong one, but Mike Pettin obviously was over there with the... Um, the Jets. And it was actually the exact same time period from 2009 to 2012. That was the period Mark Sanchez was with the Jets. That was the period Mike Pettin was with the Jets. Now granted, Pettin was a defensive coordinator, but it's not like they don't know each other. And it's certainly, you know, Rex Ryan is a huge fan of Mike Pettin. Obviously, we've, we've heard him just say he is like the greatest ever. So those two are very, very tight. If the Packers wanted to, there's no reason Mike Pettin couldn't reach out to, um, um, the guy just said Rex Ryan and helped to facilitate this between the two parties and I think it's a good fit it's better than the Bears who have him third on the depth chart you bring him over just right over to the Packers right next door and he can be a backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers if he gets hurt Mark Sanchez has the ability to throw to some great weapons and blah 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 it just kind of makes sense to me so those are the two that I have for quarterback Matt Moore and Mark Sanchez they both have some connections to our offensive and defensive coordinators. They're both going to be free agents. They're both likely going to be leaving their teams. So I think it would be beneficial to move on from Brett Hundley, get him off the team, bring in a guy like Sanchez and Moore, and then have your kind of Scott Tolzini, um, you know, kind of third string guy. I couldn't think of string for some reason. Scott Tolzien, by the way, is also on my list, um, but I didn't feel the need to bring him up because it just doesn't do us any good to, <laughs> to have him. Again, as a third-string guy, fine, but no. We, we need a guy like Sanchez or Moore to be an actual backup. So if Rodgers goes out for like a half, it's not just going to be, oh, no, we're doomed. A guy that can just come in and complete some passes, right? If you're winning the game, just don't lose the game. So... The next position I have is running back, and that one seems even more ridiculous because we have so many, so many. and it was hilarious because I wrote that in the article, and the very first thing GM Brian Gutekunst does, he goes and signs a running back. Now, I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Why would you sign a guy that was like an undrafted free agent who played for a team for a little while, and you're bringing him in to compete? Bottom line is, it it's certainly 
seems as though the Packers feel there's need for competition at the running back position. I don't know what that guy is going to bring in terms of competition. I'm almost, I, I would be willing to bet pretty much everything I have, he will not be a starter on this team ever, unless there's just a huge rash of injuries. But in terms of talent, very doubtful. But anyways, um, I think I am just going to go through all these because, I, you know, I'll just do real quickly, I'm going to go through these. So the first one I have on the list is Isaiah Crowell. Actually, it's not the first. I'm going to go out of order because some are better than others, and I didn't really put them in any particular order in the article. I'm going to try to do that here. Isaiah Crowell, um, I'm going to say it's unlikely only because, well, he's had one good year, and his off-the-field stuff is pretty horrible. But Isaiah Crowell did have one really good year, so there is some potential there. He's going to be a free agent. And he also is a running back for the Browns. He was a running back for the Browns when Mike Pettin was the head coach. So there's definitely a connection there. So it's possible, but I don't know. I mean, we don't really know the tendencies of our new GM, but I tend to think he wants to at least keep this sort of culture the same, right? I don't think he's looking to change the whole culture. And if the culture still is, we don't really want guys like that. If you don't know, he was, I think it was on Twitter or something. He put a, like a, what was it? He had a knife to a, cop's neck and he actually had the guy was actually like cutting the cops and it was pretty graphic and gruesome and disgusting and stupid he's an idiot i hope we don't pick him up but he is a free agent and there is that connection with Petten, so we'll we'll see a very similar option is terrence west terrence west is another guy who's had flashes of looking really impressive over with the ravens um overall hasn't been very great but he's been buried down a, a depth chart which would be a similar situation if he came over to green bay uh, with the competition we have here, but um, he also got his start over with the Browns under Mike Pettin, so that's another guy that our defensive coordinator, even though he is a defensive coordinator, he was a head coach for the Browns, he was Terrence West's head coach, so he does have that connection as well. He's a um, he's a 5'10", 225-pound 225-pound guy, so he kind of fits into that Devontae Mays mold, so a lot of these guys actually do, Um, so if if they like that Devontae Mays thing, but he just doesn't quite cut it, which, I don't know, I really like Mays, I hope they give him a shot, but if they're kind of looking at, he's not really cutting it, but we want that style of guy, sort of a shorter stockier, Eddie Lacy type guy, then you got Terrence West that has that potential. Another one is Damian Williams, um, Williams was a back for the Dolphins since 2014. Pretty average running back, but again, consistent, right? We got a lot of really young people. If you're looking for a guy that's been in the league, that's been consistent, that knows how to play in these systems, and by the way, which system? Joe Philbin's the offensive coordinator, and Joe Philbin was the head coach. So if we're talking about system fit, you have to assume Damian Williams makes sense, which is why he's higher on the list. West and Crowell are very unlikely. Williams is a much uh, more likely option. Um... But it's also pretty unlikely that they let him go because they let go of Jay Ajayi. So they're very thin at that position. So I'm thinking Damian Williams stays. So that leaves us with two. Now, I just want to put this out there. There is a guy <laughs> who's going into free agency by the name of Eddie Lacy. I don't know what I don't honestly know what Packer fans think anymore. It, it seemed as though when he left, Packer fans were kind of saying good riddance, which hurt my heart because I love Eddie Lacy. Then he goes to Seattle. He runs behind this horrific offensive line. He doesn't do very well because they have a horrific offensive line. And then everyone says, oh, he's a boss. He's a bum. I knew it. He was never any good. Dude, come on, man. 
You're telling me you don't respect Eddie Lacy for what he did here. You're telling me we didn't have a better run game when Eddie Lacy was running? I know Jamal Williams has looked good at times. Ty Montgomery looked good at times. Uh, all these running backs come in and they show flashes, but Eddie Lacy was solid, man. He was just solid. I mean, he had the power. He didn't really have much of the speed, but that vision. He had the quickness. I, I miss him. And it, you know his stock dropped after that Seattle thing. I'm just saying, we could bring him in. He he has a role on this team, right? And he's a veteran. He knows it. He could teach up the young guys. Sign him to a one-year contract. I don't know. Who cares? I'm just saying I kind of miss the guy. It would be nice if he came back. Last on my list, um, and I don't know if I'm going to say it's the most likely, but it is a pretty intriguing thing, is Jarek McKinnon for the Vikings. McKinnon has been pretty lights out for that team, but kind of like a lot of guys, McKinnon is buried under the depth chart, kind of like the quarterback situation. You can't really pick any which one and say this guy was terrible. Obviously, they're going to move on. They've had three quarterbacks that have been pretty good for them. So how do you get rid of them? But at the same time, how do you keep them? Jarek McKinnon is stuck under uh, two running backs right now. One of them was a rookie that they picked up, I think, second round. Yeah, second round pick nine, they got him. So, um, so that you know, Dalvin Cook is a real talented guy. He was on IR. Uh, then they went out and got Latavius Murray, and Latavius Murray has been running pretty well. So when Dalvin Cook comes back, it's gonna you know, unless they move on from Latavius, but Dalvin Cook is gonna be the lead running back. Then you got Latavius Murray, who's a talented running back. Jarek McKinnon is number three on that list, and he's not really looking. He's not gonna get very many touches. It's also a, a division rival, so it's always kind of one of those things where if you can scoop up one of those guys, maybe you get a little bit of insight kind of thing. Um, and he has, he, I mean, he's, he's as talented at least as the running backs we have. I know we probably don't want to admit that, especially at this time when we just want to do nothing but hate the Vikings. But you go look at what he's done over this year and over his career. He's been very, very talented and productive. And he's also running behind a horrible offensive line. The Packers' offensive line is in a little bit of disarray right now, but they have some talent, and they're probably going to be getting some more talent. We have probably one of the more talented um, offensive line coaches in the NFL in uh, Campen. If you look at what he's been able to do with these guys, um, I mean, it just got brought down to bare bones, so I'm not going to hold him to, you know, why, well, why couldn't you bring these guys up? Huh? Why couldn't you raise those dead bones? I'm not putting that on him. Anyways, uh, I think that's a pretty solid option. Moving on, because this is taking, this is going to take a while. You might want to buckle up. Hopefully you have a long car ride to wherever you're going. Um, fullback. I wasn't going to do fullback, but two things came to mind. One, we were not very good at the position. And two, John Kuhn is available in free agency. Yes, John Kuhn. I don't care what he wants. I don't care what the Saints offer him. You go talk to him, you go get him back. I don't care how productive he was. I don't care. I want him to retire as a Packer. I, do, I just don't care. John Kuhn, it's John... It's We're talking about John Kuhn, man. I don't care if he just... <sighs> Please go get John Kuhn. Just please go get John Kuhn. Pay him, make him the highest paid fullback in the NFL. I don't care. I want John Kuhn to play his last games in Green Bay and retire a Packer. I don't care if it's this next year or two years or three years. Sign him to a five-year. Sign him to whatever he wants. I want him to play here in Green Bay. That's it. Moving on to wide receiver now. Please sign John Kuhn. So with, with wide receiver, the first thing that I noticed, and it was actually the reason I decided to do this article, is... Um, because the, the most touted and people are most excited about uh, wide receiver would be uh, Jarvis Landry. 
And it dawned on me, hey, Jarvis Landry played for the uh, Miami Dolphins, and Joe Philbin played for the Dolphins. There's that connection there. Maybe we should go get him. Um, it turns out, though, Jarvis Landry is kind of looking for uh, Devontae Adams' contract. I mean, it, that's literally what is being reported. He's looking at Devontae Adams saying, yeah, I want that kind of a contract. The Packers already have three wide receivers over $10 million, and even if we move on, which was sort of my contention, I'm assuming if we move on that it's because... But if we get Jarvis Landry, it's because we're moving on from somebody. But even so, I think we need to get away from that. $10 million per wide. It's just ridiculous. There's no reason to have that. I checked it out. The Packers are paying way more for wide receivers than any team in the NFL. And that's, that shouldn't surprise anybody. I, you know, If you're surprised by that, that's weird. But heads and tails above any position, we pay more for wide receivers than all other 31 teams. And based on the production, that's not really warranted, I don't think. And I'm not trying to knock our guys, but, I mean, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, is that even the... Eh, maybe it's the best trio. I don't know. It's hard to find a good trio. A good duo? There's a few out there. good trio? That's pretty tough. But I, I would die. I can't imagine having two $14 million wide receivers. So we'll, we'll scratch Jarvis off the list. So outside of that, we got a couple different options here. Um, two right off the top are uh, pretty similar in terms of the connection. Um, Dante Moncrief and Kamar Aiken, both of those guys are going to be free agents in the coming year. Both of them are currently playing for the Colts. The Colts, by the way, for those that don't know, Joe Philbin has spent the last two years with the Colts as an assistant head coach. So he's kind of up there near the top. I don't even exactly know what that is. I'm assuming that's kind of like a like a vice president to the president, whatever. So he's kind of like a head coach. If you were to pick up one of those two, it it's really just kind of depends what direction you want to go. Dante Moncrief has shown a lot of potential over there with Andrew Luck. He's, he's shown to be a really talented guy. Um, I don't exactly know what he's going to command in the open market based on his production, which has, hasn't been very high thanks to, well, two things. One, Andrew Luck's been hurt a lot, and two, there's been a lot of talented wide receivers over there with the Colts. So Moncrief um, his his stats haven't been as high as they probably could have been if he was just number one the whole time. But the guy is 6'2", 220 pounds. He's a giant. He's It's pretty standard for a Packers wide receiver, so he would fit right in. He's already played four years, but he's only 24 years old. So a lot of upside, very young. Um, and, I, you know, again, I don't exactly know how much he's going to command on the market, but it's it's going to be a severe discount to what we already have if we want to go that route. Kamar Aiken, on the other hand, he's a little bit older. He's got a little more experience under his belt. He's played for the Colts, the Ravens, and the Bills. Um, and he's he's had a – I don't know if I'd say he's had a better career necessarily. He had nearly 1,000 yards with the Ravens that one year. If you play fantasy football or if you're a Ravens fan or just really follow – football for that matter. You probably remember that one year Kamar Aiken was kind of a big deal. Um, but he, he's also a 6'2", I don't know, 220-ish? I'm not exactly sure. But a bit a similar style and size of receiver. It's just a matter of, I guess, how you would evaluate him, which is where Joe Philbin would come in and be able to say, you know, Kamar Aiken is the better player or whoever's the better player. Um, but then again, Aiken maybe comes at a discount because of his age. Moncrief would be a, more of a long-term investment if we are looking to move on from a wide receiver, or even just as a, re- a long-term replacement, even if he just comes in and competes and plays a couple downs here and there, and then next year Jordy Nelson's gone. If he's gone for 2019, we got Dante Moncrief on his second year with the Packers. He's only 25 years old. Um, I think that could be a pretty sweet situation. And again, nobody is saying that these guys are gone officially. They could all be re-signed. I'm just talking about guys that currently aren't re-signed and their contracts are up after this year. Um, 
of those guys who could potentially the Packers be interested in picking up. The next guy on the list I want to talk about is Mike Wallace. Um, he is going to be a free agent, obviously. That's why he's on the list. Uh, he started out with the Steelers. Um, I'm sure most of you guys know a lot about Mike Wallace, but just to kind of touch on a few points. First of all, one of the things that I wasn't aware, he ran a 4-3-3-40. Guy has got serious speed. So if we're looking at the Packers and we're saying these guys are lacking speed, which somebody, there's some website or something out there that tracks the speed of these guys as they're playing, sports radar or something, I have no idea. But apparently the Packers are dead last in speed at the position. So if the Packers are looking for speed, these next two guys actually could be some great options. Wallace actually had two years with the Steelers in 2010 and 2011 with over 1,000 yards. He had 1,200 in 2010. Uh, then he went over to the Dolphins, which would be the connection where he was working with uh, Joe Philbin. 2015, he came over to the Vikings. Fortunately, that was his absolute worst year. <laughs> and then after that, he went over to the Ravens, which a lot of people were saying when he went over to uh, Baltimore that it's just not a good fit. He's kind of old. He's kind of washed up. He's no good. He went up over 1,000 yards in 2016. 2017, nowhere near that, but the, the Ravens were kind of in shambles. So he's, he's kind of back on the chopping block. I have no idea the Ravens' intentions for him. You would think they'd want to keep him because he is still pretty talented. However... Uh, one other thing to note about him is that he's 31 years old. He'll be 32 this year. Um, he's probably considered a high price kind of wide receiver. You know, he's an older veteran type. But right now he's getting about $5 million a year. And every year he's getting older, and his last year was not very productive. So I can't imagine he's going to get more than $5 million a year. So for the Packers, especially if we are looking to move on from somebody, which I'm starting to think more and more is not going to be the case, I think we need to bring all three of these guys back. Um but, you know, beyond this year, it's kind of getting to the point where Jordy's contract is up and some of these contracts are ending. And, you know, how many are you going to bring back? Probably not very many. <clears throat> talking about Cobb and Jordy, obviously. Who else would I be talking about? So it's it's an option, but it's it's also kind of a weird option if you look at it from that standpoint. You bring in Mike Wallace, you put him on the bench, and then when Jordy and or Cobb leave, you got to figure out if you're going to extend Wallace or you bring him back at 32 years old or whatever the situation is. Whatever. Let's talk about my favorite option. Now, there isn't a connection here in terms of he was the head coach, blah, 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 like all these other guys. However, this I still find this to be intriguing. Again, it, it touches on the speed thing, and it probably works best as a Randall Cobb replacement. A lot of people are down on Cobb. I'm not, I, don't, I, I don't know why. You know, let me just go on a little bit of a tangent here, even though I need to speed up. Packers fans, I used to think, were something special in terms of, you know, if you listen to or read Vic Ketchman's ask Vic thing he always said Packers are winsome whatever that's a bunch of baloney Packers fans are the worst fans I'm sorry this is terrible <laughs> we are just I'm watching these playoff things that guy that blew that uh that play for the Saints they went and had like a big parade for him when they flew back in they were we still love you we still man we would have just said get him off the team we hate this guy we we are so spoiled <laughs> We're talking about we want Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb off the team. What is wrong with us? These guys are great football players. And beyond that, what happened to loyalty? What happened to Donald Driver? It wasn't that long ago Donald Driver's career was going down the tubes. The guy couldn't play anymore. And all the Packers fans were saying, you know what? I, st I don't care. I want him to play. I don't want him to go. I love I love Driver. That Those days are gone. I don't know who took over this fan base. There's a bunch of young, angry Packers fans these days or something, but... This is crazy. How can we hate Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews? Jeez, you guys are nuts. But anyways, 
if it becomes a contract situation where Randall Cobb is a little too expensive, which is a reasonable thought process, however, we would all, as Packer fans, say, oh, no, Randall Cobb, we really love that guy. He's still talented, right? That's what we say, sure. Here's a guy by the name of Taylor Gabriel, the Falcons speedster. The guy ran a 4-2-7-40. Now, we've got some guys that are kind of speedy, whatever. You know, we, we think of Trevor Davis. Oh, he's so fast. He ran like a 4-4-2. That's pretty fast. Janice ran a 4-4-2 also. There's a lot of 4-4-2 guys out there. That's that's like basic level fast, right? If you run like a 4-4 anything, like a 4-4-4, 4-4-2, like Kevin King, like, oh, yeah, he's fast. But it's not like oh my goodness, this guy is a freak fast. But then there's also the question of can you play wide receiver? Taylor Gabriel runs a 4-2-7, and he can play wide receiver. He's 5'8", 165. Again, Falcons going to get rid of him. I don't know. They're probably going to try to keep him. But if he does hit the open market, this would be a very tempting thing, and it would kind of be telling in terms of which direction they're going to go. If I had to guess, I would say Jordy Nelson would be the next to go just because of his age, because of the fact that he's already talked about retirement and because of all this other stuff. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it, they could be looking to move on from both. I don't know. But Gabriel is only 26. I think he turns 27 this year. So um, a slightly younger option, I guess. Not really young. I mean, Randall Cobb is 27 right now, which is another reason why it blows my mind that people are like, oh, we need to get rid of Randall Cobb. I mean, he's been with the team forever. He's only 27. He doesn't turn 28 until later this year. He's still pretty young. I, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to go on that rant. I don't get the Randall Cobb hate. That's all I'm saying. Probably the most enticing as we move on is going to be the tight end prospects. Um, there's a lot of really good prospects here. Um, I have three in the article, and I'm going to highlight all three. I don't think any of them have any connections to any Packers uh, players, but, you know, I mean, the Packers have been down this road before. It's not really anything unusual. The last two years they've gone out and gotten tight ends, and none of them have really worked out, aside from Jared Cook, who we let go. But we're moving on. We're over that now. Um, but let's let's get into it. The first one I have here is Tyler Eifert, 27 years old, 6'6", 251. This guy was literally, if you go to NFL.com and look at the um, the Combine, they put little stars next to a player in a certain category. So, like, if you were one of the quote-unquote top performers for the 40-yard dash, you get a little star. This guy has a star in every single category. I'm not even kidding you. Every single one. Broad, vertical, 40, everything. He has a, He was a top performer in literally every category. Tyler Eifert is a freak. He's 27. He's still relatively young. I mean, the guy could play another four or five years, probably at least. The two biggest problems, though, are going to be cost and injury history. This guy, I don't think he's ever played a full 16-game season. As a matter of fact, I wrote this in the article, he has averaged under eight games per season. Less than eight is his average. So he doesn't even play a half a season on average. The guy is just entirely too injury prone. So you would have to take a good look at his injury history as well as his price. It would have to come at a severe discount. But also, I mean, if you really genuinely want to help Aaron Rodgers and kind of do it quickly, I don't know. I, I don't particularly care for the option. I just think it's too risky. It's we've had And we've had so much bad luck at the position with well, letting Cook go wasn't necessarily bad luck, but, you know, I mean, we we had a decent tight end who really got a bad injury, and he was gone, and then we go out and get Cook, and we let him go, and we get Martellus Bennett, and he's a bust, and we get Kendricks. I don't know what we ever expected out of Kendricks. The guy's never been a good tight end, but 
for some reason we brought him in expecting something out of him and we didn't get anything. We got pretty much what he's done his whole career, which is a lot of nothing. So bringing in Tyler Eifert is just setting yourself up for more failure at the position. However, the next guy, and I'm, I don't know why I hype it like this, like you don't already know the names, but Jimmy Graham is going to be a free agent. Jimmy Graham is currently 31, which is going to be one of his issues. He's probably going to be quite a bit more expensive. As a matter of fact, I think he's playing uh, for about $10 million a year right now. I don't think the Packers have the ability to have four receivers, if we count Jimmy Graham in the receiver group, at $10 million plus. That's just too crazy, man. Now, granted, the Packers currently pay the least in the NFL for tight ends, so there's definitely some room for growth there in terms of paying more, but I can't imagine $10 million a year. It would have to come at a discount. They got Martellus Bennett at a freaky discount. So Jimmy Graham's career went probably a step backwards. I mean, you got to remember, he went from the Saints where he was like the guy. It was Jimmy Graham and... Um, and Rob Gronkowski for a while. I mean, those were like the guys. Then he goes over to Seattle because he's the guy, and he's just kind of a pretty good tight end, right? I mean, he's, he's not bad, but he's not like, whoa, Jimmy Graham. So maybe you get him for a smidge under $10 million. I'm not really sure, but it just it's another one where I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I just don't know. I, I don't see it as a as a great option because he's going to be so expensive and just how good is he really going to be. So my favorite option of the group is actually a restricted free agent, which has different rules to it, but I, I don't think that would be a problem. It just kind of gives the uh, team the ability to match whatever, but I, I think they're going to let him go. Um, but that is Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's only 26 years old, so he has the youth of Tyler Eifert. Currently, according to Pro Football Focus, he's just ranked outside the top five, so he's extremely talented. And he's playing for the Buccaneers, who just drafted O.J. Howard in the first round last year. Now, unfortunately, O.J. Howard wasn't, wasn't all that great, but it's going to be hard to justify you know, having O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait for a long period of time, especially when you consider the team is kind of not performing very well. They may need to free up some cap space and uh, signing a ton of money. You know what? You, when you have O.J. Howard, I guess is what I'm saying, you feel that as though you can free up some cap space with Cameron Brait, rely on O.J. Howard, and use that money to fill in some other needs. At least you, you got to hope that, otherwise O.J. Howard was a big waste of time and energy because that guy was a first-round draft pick. He's a 6'6 freak. You need him to be able to step up. So hopefully he does, and I think Cameron Brait, he, he basically has the durability of Jimmy Graham and the youth of Tyler Eifert. He's a, basically a top-five tight end playing for a quarterback that is nowhere near as talented as Aaron Rodgers. I know we hear that every time, and that doesn't really seem to help the tight ends very much. But still, Cameron Brait, for me, is my favorite option. So after that, I just went to offensive line. I didn't go position by position because there just wasn't enough to go through there. But I, I think I do have uh, listed uh, two tackles, two guards, and a center. So I kind of tried to do it that route. But here's the guys I have. I have uh, Nate Solder for the Patriots. I think that's how you say his name. I don't really know. But uh, he's getting up there in age. He's been a reliable left tackle for the um, for the Patriots for quite a long time. And um, I don't know if they're planning on letting him go. But if they did decide to do so... Um, I, you know, I don't think the Packers are going to be looking for a left tackle. Well, I know they're not because Bakhtiari is one of the best in the business. But you have to wonder about right tackle in Balaga. He's got an injury history, has some up and down uh, production. And if nothing else, depth is a serious problem for this team, and we've seen that. And, and injuries at offensive line are prevalent, not just for the Packers, but for every team. I mean, they're big guys, 
and uh, injuries are, you know, there's a lot of stress on those joints. Those guys get hurt a lot. We don't have any depth at the position. We do have a lot of draft picks and all that, but again, we rely too much on draft picks, and the main point of this article is to say, let's try to work on free agency for not just talent, but for depth. Get guys in here to compete, as Gutekunst said. So Nate is going to be a high-priced guy uh, if he does hit free agency, so you got to assume if we're bringing him in, maybe we're looking to move on from Balaga, but uh, he could, I don't know, he could maybe be a backup, whatever. Uh, next, I have Weston Richburg. Now, he is a center for the Giants. There is a connection there with uh, Ben McAdoo, and now we have signed uh, the quarterback coach away from them, Signetti. I think Frank Signetti is how you say his name. We did extend Corey Lindsley, but I, I honestly just see that as we need to stop the bleeding. We have been purging offensive linemen for a very long time. As much as I don't think Corey Lindsley had a very good year, you can't let him walk because what does that do to our offensive line dynamic? You just can't let him go. So you got to sign him. I could be wrong. Maybe they love him. I know he was great last year. I mean, not in 2016, he was a very good center. But still, I think a guy like Weston Richburg, who we have a connection with, could potentially come over and start. I mean, I think he would start. I think he's a better football player than, than Corey Lindsley is. Another giant I have on the list is Justin Pugue. Another guy, I don't know exactly how to say his name, but I think it's Pugue. Pukes 27, he has been, I mean, this guy is versatile, and it's one of the reasons I like him, maybe more than anybody else. He was on IR last year, so that's going to help in terms of his price. Pugue has been, he's played tackle, he's played guard left and right. Um, He's been all over that offensive line, and he's always been a really consistent contributor for the Giants. I mean, at at 27 years old, if the Packers wanted to take a swing at this guy, I mean, you could sign him to a three-, four-year contract, no problem, and not have to worry about it. I mean, there is the injury history coming off of IR, but I think Pugue would be an awesome asset. I mean, if the guy can play guard, we need guards. If the guy can play tackle, we might need him at tackle. You know, when you look at that shuffling we did, Pugue is a guy that you put at guard, he plays guard, he plays guard very well, then if your tackle goes down, you put him at tackle. And you don't worry about it. You have a good tackle playing tackle. Um, a, probably a more high-priced guy and another one that might not be allowed to leave because he's so good is Andrew Norwell. This would be a high-priced, high-ticket acquisition uh, if the Packers decided to take a swing at this guy. He's playing for the Carolina Panthers. He is a guard, and he is currently ranked as a top-five guard and is the number-one pass-blocking guard in the NFL. As much as it would be nice to get a guy that's going to help in the run game, and he would, Aaron Rodgers took way too many hits, and Brett Hundley took way too many hits last year. This offensive line was not doing a good enough job protecting him. If we make that a priority, which we absolutely should, I would love to get a guy like Andrew Norwell, plug him in at left guard, uh, put maybe Lane Taylor over at right guard or Jari Evans, whoever, it doesn't really matter. It would be nice actually to leave Jari Evans in there as much as he wasn't great and put Lane Taylor back to being a backup because as much as as much credit as he deserves for filling in all over the offensive line, our offensive line was awesome when we had guys like Lane Taylor as backups. When somebody comes in, he comes in, you're kind of worried, but he does a pretty decent job. That's how it used to be. Great offensive line, real good backups. Now our backups are starting along with some other people that should never be starting, and it's just a nightmare. So, yeah, I love Andrew Norwell quite a bit. 
And finally is a more of a Packers signing, and that would be Jack Muhort. Muhort is a right guard. He's only 26 years old. He plays for the Colts, so he has that connection. He was on IR last year, which is going to help in the money category. He's not as elite as Andrew Norwell, but at 26 years old, it would be a great uh, replacement at a discounted price for the 35-year-old Jari Evans. You know what I mean? If, if you're looking to just if you're looking to put a little bit of money into it. Um, maybe spend a little bit more than you're spending on Jari Evans right now, but you get just a reliable young football player at 26. This guy could be with the team for another pff, at least five years. And, that, and I think we, that's kind of what we need. It, again, Gutekunst mentioned bringing guys in to compete. Let's let them compete. If the guys that we already have are better, fine. Jack Muhort can be a backup or he can play whatever. But the, the offensive line situation is an absolute nightmare. And if they don't address this in free agency, that's going to be kind of problematic in my mind not that you can just snap your fingers I mean maybe you try and the numbers just don't match up but they really 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 need to try and maybe stretch the pocketbook more than they would like because you can't just rely on the draft this is too critical this is our running game this is our passing game and this is the health of our quarterback that's what the offensive line means and we've allowed that to dissipate into a nightmare that it was last year it needs to be fixed pretty immediately Jack Muhort might not be a fix, but it's going to be a welcome help. Moving on to edge rusher, for the sake of saving time, um, we'll kind of do it this way. I'll just list a couple people that are on the article. So two of them that are very, very old that are um, potential, but not sure how much help they would be. Julius Peppers is back on the market. I would be very against that. I don't think the Packers are going to do it, but the guy just continues to keep playing very, very well, so it's an option. Another one that's very similar to that is Dwight Freeney. Freeney hasn't been the player that he used to be for quite some time, but he's another old guy, another veteran that could be plugged in. I would be against that pickup as well. I put Demarcus Lawrence on here. I'm pretty sure it's already been established that he's going to be getting re-signed. There are two that kind of make sense to me. The first is Barcavius Mingo. Mingo isn't an elite player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, however, he did play under Mike Patton when he was the head coach, um, and he also played under Joe Philbin for the Colts this past year. So it is possible that Barcavius Mingo not only has the connections, but Mike Patton, you know, depending on what kind of scheme he's looking to employ, he could look at it and say, look, Mingo fits what we're trying to do. In terms of my favorite option, it's pretty, pretty obvious. It's far and away, not even close. Ezekiel Ansah, a guy that we all know very, very well, is going to be a free agent for the Detroit Lions. Um, the guy is 6'5", 275, or excuse me, 270 pounds, and he's only 28. I feel like Ezekiel Ansah has been terrorizing the Packers for at least 10 years, but that's pretty unlikely because he's only 28 years old. Extremely consistent. The guy almost never misses games. He almost never regresses in terms of his talent level, and he's had double-digit sacks in two of the last three years. He's still at the top of his game. So this is a, it would be a big splash kind of signing, but if we're going to make a big splash, there's just nobody else that, you know, in, in terms of connection, of course there's a connection. He plays for a division rival. We know who the guy is. So I think that would be a big, big splash pickup. This guy is a very talented pass rusher. Um, and, I, I mean, it's not even a scheme thing. I mean, 6'5", 270, he fits in Petten's scheme. I don't need to know his scheme very well to know that he fits. He fits everyone's scheme. <laughs> um, moving on to defensive line. I'm going to try to speed through this one as well. One of the names that I kind of like, and it's just it's sort of like an Eddie Lacy thing, but Mike Pennell. 
I actually really liked Pinnell. I felt like he was a pretty good, solid football player. He was just a he's, he's a good rotational guy. If we're looking for depth, the depth we have right now is not very good. If we're looking for a depth, rotational, average type player, there's nobody more average than Mike Pinnell. He's not going to be a dominant football player that's down there every down, but he's also not just going to come in and be awful. So in, in terms of depth and, and really cheap football players, I think that would be a pretty solid pickup. Yeah, this is actually a really, I'm getting so excited looking at this list. There's four other guys um, that are just so awesome. One of them is Kyle Williams, defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills. This guy is just a dominant football player. He played for the Bills before, during, and after the Mike Pettin era. He was only there for one year, but Mike Pettin knows exactly who this guy is. Dominant, dominant football player. I know we have two pretty good offensive linemen, but the, the quality drops so drastically after those two um, so Kyle Williams is one, and then Sheldon Richardson is another one, a, a absolute monster. And I even said in the article, he's basically a mercenary at this point. This guy is so good. He's just he's a murder-for-hire type of guy. He's just out there. Whoever wants to pay him the most, uh, which, by the way, at right now he's at about $8 million a year for the Seahawks. That's what he's getting. But, I mean, if you're looking for a guy, if you're looking to make the best defensive line in the NFL, it's very simple. You sign Sheldon Richardson, and then you have Kenny Clark at nose, and you put Mike Daniels over there at defensive tackle. Those three guys, there will not be a better defensive line in the NFL. It's just that simple. The other two guys I have on the list, I'm kind of looking from a different perspective, and I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to be in the other article, and I guess the other podcast that I may or may not do tomorrow, but, um, there is a question in my mind about whether or not we get a true nose tackle. And what I mean by that is Kenny Clark is currently listed at nose tackle, but the guy's like, what is he, 218, 219? He's not a very traditional nose tackle. And if you look at what Mike Pettin did, um, he had a guy very similar to uh, Kenny Clark, and he moved him over to defensive end. I think Kenny Clark would be a very good defensive end. Then the question is, do we get a, you know, one of these giant 230-pound, or excuse me, 330-pound nose tackles? I think maybe. That's why it's got me looking at guys like Vita Vea in the draft and thinking that could be possible. And also, if, looking at Mike Pettin's defense, the reason it, it comes out in my mind is that if you look at the three defenses he had, he had uh, Sion Pua, however you say it, 320 pounds, Marcel Darius, 331 pounds, and Atiaba Rubin with the Browns at 330. So he had true nose tackles on his defense. I don't know if Kenny Clark is going to fit the mold there. So I do think they are going to go this route. The question is, who do they pick up? So you got Don Terry Poe who's going to be available. Guy's a very good football player, currently playing for the Falcons. Um, extremely talented football player, but he's coming at a price of about $8 million a year, which is somewhat problematic. Again, same as Sheldon Richardson, but if you're asking me, I'd rather have Sheldon Richardson than Don Terry Poe. The other option, though, which would be hilarious if we got him, along with the edge rusher that I like, Ezekiel Ansah, but Helody Nada. Helody Nada, the longtime Raven who went over to the, the uh, Detroit Lions. The, the main difference here, though, is that he comes at a discount. For some reason, he doesn't uh, ask for or get nearly the price that Don Terry Poe gets. And uh, obviously, we're a lot more familiar with him having played with the Detroit Lions. So I, I really like the Haloti Nada thing. So if you're asking me which one I like, Haloti Nada, and then depending on price, Sheldon Richardson or Kyle Williams would be awesome. Moving on to linebacker, there's uh, another real good group of guys here. Um, the, the first one I would bring up was Anthony Hitchens, who is a uh, Dallas Cowboys linebacker. Uh, the, the Cowboys have a ton of money right now invested in their linebacker, $7 million invested in Sean Lee, and they have Jalen Smith, who is a really talented young linebacker that's coming up. With Anthony Hitchens playing really well this past year, um, 
which is a contract year, which is always scary. So basically, he's been with the team for four years, and in in his last year, he was good. The three before that was not very good at all. But um, it, it's definitely worth looking into when you consider how good of a linebacker he was this past year, and he's, he's he, and there's also a really good chance that the uh, Dallas Cowboys let him go. Moving on to Demario Davis, actually very similar situation. The guy has been pretty horrible for several years, um, but then this past year he was ranked as a top 10 linebacker according to uh, Pro Football Focus. The difference here would be the connection with Mike Pettin because he was uh, with the Jets when Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator. So, you know, it's going to be kind of on him to say, yes, this guy's a very good football player, or no, he's not. And obviously, again, we're looking at the money situation. So two real high-risk guys, and then the question kind of becomes uh, how much money do they want Anthony Hitchens and Demario Davis. If, again, we're just looking for guys to compete, they make a lot of sense. Somebody that's going to probably cost quite a bit more money, but it was just playing out of his mind, is a guy by the name of Paul Puzlesny for the Jaguars. Now, he, he's still pretty high risk because this guy is either the best in the NFL or he is one of the worst in the NFL. I don't know exactly what the situation is, but he's if you look at his PFF grade, it's either really high or really low. Very inconsistent, so I don't know if I really want him. Uh, he's 33 years old. He's commanding $4 million. But you look at these Jaguars play football right now, and it's really hard to not lick your chops a little bit. I mean, if they signed Paul Pazlesny, I would do my best to be um, intelligent and say, ooh, it's a high risk. But I'd be jumping up and down. I'd be, yes, we got a Jaguars linebacker. That's awesome. Maybe my favorite of the group um, is a guy by the name of Carlos Dansby. So Dansby's basically 800 years old. Uh, to give you an idea of how old he is, uh he was playing inside linebacker before Kurt Warner started for the Cardinals. So that might give you a kind of an idea. His production is slowly starting to dip, so it could be kind of a Jari Evans situation, which granted isn't very good. But if we're looking for, uh, first of all, we need some depth because in case somebody gets hurt, we just have nobody. You know, a third linebacker isn't the worst, depending on what kind of a thing, you know, different packages and things like that, where you would want him to come in. He did play for Joe Philbin in Miami in 2012, and he played for Mike Pettin in Cleveland 2014 and 2015. So both Philbin and Pettin were his head coach for a combined three total years. Considering his age and the fact that he plays inside linebacker, the guy's basically going to be free. I mean, you could just say, come on over, we'll buy you a steak and a baked potato, and he's 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 a starting linebacker for the Packers. So I, I don't see any reason not to at least pick up the phone and call the guy. Sliding over to safety because I want to save corner for last. Um, there's a couple guys, you know, there's, a lot of these guys have a lot of things in common. So the first two guys I want to start with are Stephen Terrell and Tyvon Branch. Branch would be the veteran of the group. Terrell would be the younger guy of the group. But the thing that they have in common, they both have played for some pretty elite um, defensive back groups. So, you know, part of it is I think we need to get guys that just know how to play good football on defense, especially our defensive backs. These are a lot of guys that we have that have only played for the Packers. They only know what it's like to really stink playing defensive back. Terrell played for the Legion of Boom, and then he went on to play for the Chiefs, right? Two very good defensive backs groups. Tyvon Branch, uh, he spent his uh, last two years in Arizona. Before that, he played for the Chiefs. So these guys know very, very well how to play defensive back. And the other thing they have in common is that this past year was both of their best years. Both of them were graded as very good. Terrell was on IR, so you didn't get to see all that much. But uh, the time that he did play, he was playing out of his mind. And Tyvon Branch is, uh, let me see. He was rated just outside of the top five for uh, safeties. The, the the bigger risk here, though, is Tyvon Branch. I think he started in like 08, so he's been around a long time. So, again, it's a question of what you're looking for. 
Another kind of older safety I don't want to spend a lot of time on is TJ Ward. His play is starting to slip a little bit, and it kind of kind of, kind of could depend whether it's his age. I mean, he's only 31. That's not like crazy old. But um, he's also switched teams quite a bit, and there's there's a drop as his age goes, but there's also a drop as he switches teams. So there's kind of a question of what happens if you bring him under Mike Pettin. He did play for the Browns, not under Mike Pettin. Um, but anyways... In terms of pure raw talent, in terms of big splash, you want to know who the big splash guy is? It's LaMarcus Joyner. This guy is top three in the NFL right now at safety. LaMarcus Joyner playing for the Rams is an absolute freak. It is awesome looking at his pro football focus grade because this guy's just come up the hard way. I mean, he just keeps getting better every year. And Actually, it kind of gives me hope for guys like uh, um, Jake Ryan. Jake Ryan's first year was not good. Jake Ryan's second year was average. Jake Ryan's third year was good. So... If he can follow a similar path to LaMarcus Joyner, he's going to be a freak. But LaMarcus Joyner was graded as elite this past year, one of the few guys that actually was. I'm not entirely sure what we're looking to do with the safety position. There's so many question marks there with HaHa's play starting to dip. Morgan Burnett is is a free agent. That's another one the Packer fans are like, oh, get rid of him, he's a bum. I don't get it. I hate that so much. That's I used to make fun of the Bears fans because they used to do that all the time. They said that to Erlocker, and I was like, you guys are horrible. How could you say that about him? Now we're doing it to everybody on our team. But even, even if we keep Burnett, which we absolutely should because he's maybe one of the better defensive players on our entire team, but he can play all these other positions. Uh, so even if we keep him, why don't we slide maybe slide him over to slot corner and then we still need another safety? I'm just saying, if regardless of what we're looking to do, if we're looking to bring in a safety and we want to make a splash, there really isn't anybody but LaMarcus Joyner. The last one on the list is somebody that I'm actually really excited about. Um, you're going to laugh at me, but just hear me out for a second. It's a guy by the name of Jarius Bird. Now, it's funny because back in 2013, he was basically the best of the best, right? He was a freak. He went out into free agency, and every single Packers fan said, I want him, I want him, I want him. Please go get him. Please go get him. They didn't get him. Packers fans threw a fit. Ted Thompson's a loser. Fire him. He's horrible. He goes over to the Saints, and he plays just horrible. And the anti-free agent people were laughing. Ha, ha, this is what happens. This is why you don't do it. So 2014, 15, 16 is with the Saints. 2017 this past year, he was with the Panthers. In those four years, his pro football focus grade was horrible. Average, average, and then this past year was horrible again. So why do I want Jarius Bird? It's very simple. Two two basic reasons. One, back when he was good with the Bills, he was very, 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 very good. And to say that this is attributable to his age is kind of a joke. To be one of the best safeties in the NFL and then go to the Saints and all of a sudden you're just horrible, I don't buy that. I think the talent is still there. It just needs to come out of him. So then the question is, well, why do you think the Packers of all teams are the teams that are going to find this talent in Jarius Bird? Simple. 2013, the last time he was any good, and he was very, very good, do you know who his defensive coordinator was? It was Mike Pettin. If somebody's going to get some talent out of this defensive back, and by the way, if there's one thing this guy does very well, he gets a lot out of his defensive backs. He knows Jarius Bird. He knows how good Jarius Bird is, and he knows how to get the best out of Jarius Bird. His second best year of his entire career was under Mike Pettin. I'm just saying, this guy's going to come at a severe discount because he's getting older and he's had four horrible years under his belt. He really only had about four good years, but those were the years with the Buffalo Bills. Aside from his rookie year, he was average. But I just find that extremely intriguing. A guy that you can get at a severe discount that, that Mike Pettin might be looking at licking his chops and say, I can I know what to do with this guy. I know how to get the best out of this guy. 
I think that would be hilarious and awesome. And it would just kind of come full circle for those of you that remember that time when he didn't come to the Packers. If he came back and all of a sudden, that would just, I don't know, it would just be awesome. Maybe I'm just being too dramatic, but I think that would be very cool. Finally, cornerback, and I have a list. This is a great year for cornerback. I don't just have a big list because it's our biggest need. There are just a ton of cornerbacks that make sense. If the pack, I, I would be willing to bet money the Packers are going to get a free agent cornerback just because there's so many. And, you know, it's kind of a supply and demand thing, if nothing else. When there's this many corners, some of them start flying off. The value of these guys starts to go down, right? You have to negotiate, and when you're on the high supply side, the price tends to go down. That's just one of those things. Um, but I'm not going to go through this whole list. It's it's a lot. But I will start, however, with Tremont Williams. I, I, wanted, I wish I had this podcast because I would have said this and I would have been able to refer back to it. But I didn't have this podcast. But Tremont Williams was a guy I wanted. We let Tremont go. He was very, very good. Then, I don't know why we let him go, but he was available once again, as was Devon House. Devon House was never any good. We get Devon House. Tremont Williams goes over to wherever he's at, the Cardinals, and he, he's, he's playing the best year of his entire career. He's still got it, man. But the worst part is, I mean, he, he never really lost it. He was, at worst, an average corner with the Packers, and at best, he was a very, very good corner. And the fact of the matter is, the Packers, I don't think, knew how to get anything out of corners. We never really have. Then we, then he goes over to the Browns, a team that just knows absolutely nothing. The, the team is horrible in 2016 at, with corners, with, with protecting against the pass. Then he goes over to the Cardinals, a team that knows what to do with cornerbacks, that's very, very good with corners. And look, he's, he's a top, what is he, top 10? Yeah, he's a top 10 corner in the NFL at, <laughs> at as old as he is. The guy is an incredibly talented corner that people just didn't know how to get anything out of. I think with Mike Pettin under uh, being the defensive coordinator, I think Tremont Williams would be phenomenal for this team. And I'd love to have him back. And by the way, that was something else that was mentioned by uh, guys like, um, I think it was Demarius Randall. I don't, I don't remember exactly who it was, but they were talking about one of the biggest problems. Actually, it was HaHa. He's saying one of the biggest problems is a lack of veteran presence. We're always doing this draft and develop stuff. We let the veterans all walk, and we got a bunch of rookies coming in here. And there's no cohesion. There's no real camaraderie. There's none of that. we got to bring a guy back like Tremont Williams to get this locker room just just whipped back up into shape. Another potential prospect would be Nikel Roby Coleman. Um, 2013, 14, 15, 16, he played for the Bills. This past year he went over and played for the Rams. Um... The last two years, he's been pretty solid, especially this past year with the Rams. But also his rookie year in 2013 was awesome. And, of course, the defensive coordinator in that year was Mike Pettin. So Mike Pettin's a defensive coordinator. He has a great rookie year. Mike Pettin leaves, and he's terrible. He's terrible in 2014. He's terrible in 2015. He's average in 2016, you know, kind of high average, pretty good. Then in 2017, he has his best year yet. So this is a guy that has potential if you know what to get, what to do with him. And I think Mike Pettin does. Again, as a rookie under Mike Pettin, this guy was great. He's young. He's got a lot of question marks. And Mike Pettin knows how to use him. A lot of potential here. Another guy that's uh, up there in age, kind of in the Tremont Williams range. But you know, he's his good is better than Tremont Williams, but his worse is a lot worse than Tremont Williams. So we're, we're looking at two veterans. If you're looking for upside, you want this guy. And this guy, by the way, is by the name of Brent Grimes currently playing for the Buccaneers, but his his lows, his his the risk factor is much higher as well. So 
a lot of question marks, but the last two years, Brent Grimes has been phenomenal. In fact, 2016 was the best year of his entire career. He hasn't really been bad since 2012. Um, and that was his last year with the Falcons. After that, he went over to the Dolphins. 2013, 14, 15, the head coach over there, Joe Philbin. So there is that familiar, familiarity aspect to it. Philbin knows how good of a football player he is. Then he spent the last two years with the Buccaneers, and he's been playing really, really good football again. Best year of his career was his first year over there. So if we're looking for a cornerback that has extremely high upside, that's still playing really, really good football, bring him over with Mike Patton that knows his stuff and can uh, continue that success. we got a potential for a really, really lights-out good football player with Brent Grimes. And the last two guys worth mentioning, just very quickly, Kyle Fuller and Prince Amukamura, two guys that are with the Bears. So, um, you know, it's just one of those weird things where in the division, especially in NFC North, it seems like we just shuffle guys around a lot. Fuller has kind of stepped up a little bit this past year, so I think it's a little unlikely they let him go. Uh, I think Vic Fangio's done a pretty good job as much as I didn't really care for him and want him over here. The one thing that he does do very well is he continues to get better. These guys get better every single year. It was funny. I looked at that defense. Every single player got a little bit better every single year. And uh, Kyle Fuller's one of those guys. I think he's one of those up-and-coming guys they think they can get a lot out of, so they're going to hang on to him. Prince of Murkamura, though, is a little bit older. He doesn't have nearly the talent, um, but... You know, if you're looking for, again, that veteran presence who was just a solid football player, I think Amukamura could be a pretty good addition to the Packers football team. A guy that's, um, I mean, he's just, if you're looking at his grade, for example, and, you know, 70s are average, it's basically like scores in, on a test. 70s are average, 80s are good, 90s are elite. This guy's been probably averaging about 78 his entire career. So he's just... He's just solid, right? And he's, he's never going to really mess up. He's never really going to be elite. He's just there. He's just doing a pretty decent job. He's the Dean Lowry of cornerbacks. How's that sound? You probably don't like Dean Lowry, do you? Well, whatever. So th- those are some names. There's a couple more names I left off for the sake of time. But um, I just wanted to throw those out there as some potential. I mean, there's there's some new coaches on our squad, some guys that have different scheme that we need to pay attention to, but also have some different connections. I really like the Mike Pettin connection, though, because he's sort of outside of the uh, NFC North kind of thing. I know Philbin is too, but that there's something about that AFC East, the, the Bills and the Jets and the, even the Patriots. There's just something about that that just gets me excited, especially the Bills and the Jets, the two teams that he played for. There's just a I don't know. Those are teams that just really, really take defense seriously. They always have really good players. They always get a lot out of those players. They can never really get enough out of their offense to make it work. But it's, in terms of defense, those guys are really, really good. So for that reason, I'm excited about Mike Pettin. Uh, tomorrow, I'm really excited to tell you about what I found out about uh, Mike Pettin and his defense compared to our defenses. I might actually have to finish that uh, article up because I don't think I finished. I have all the information. I just didn't write it down, and I'd like to have it in front of me. But anyways, that's it. You folks have yourselves a great, grand, fantastic day. Uh, We're going to do some more draft talk and stuff in the near future. And again, if you are really into that stuff, be sure to check out Pack Daddy NFL on YouTube. Otherwise, you folks have a good day. Bye-bye.